0: Hello and welcome. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you for listening to my Virgin radio podcast with Waitrose. Coming up, we have Jeremy Langmead and Dr David Jack joining me live in the studio to talk to us about Vainglorious, a shameless guide for men who want to look their best best-selling author, Adele Parks, discusses her brand-new thriller, both of you. Adam Kay fills us in on Kay's Anatomy, which is out now in paperback, and Tom Kerridge inspires us to take the tongs out to the garden in his brand-new cookbook, Tom Kerridge's Outdoor Cooking. But before all that, here is Maria. <laughs> I see her. She's on the other side of the room. <laughs>
1: nice to see you back in the studio, Graham Norton. It's
0: very nice to see you coughing distance away, lovely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a screen between us. No, there isn't, actually, but we are miles away we'd, from each uh, we'd other.
0: we really have to try and gobble at each other. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah.
1: And I'm double. I'm double jabbed. Do you double jab? I'm double jabbed. Yeah. yeah. That, Kiss yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the nicest thing you've ever said to me, Graham Norton. Look, I've decided I've come in a summer dress today because I've decided enough of this rain and procrastination weather-wise. It is summer. I have relegated all my winter woolies to the back of the wardrobe where the moths like them. Yeah. And I'm going to do summer from here on in.
0: Well, uh, I think it was I think Chris on the breakfast show was reminding us that June 21st is the middle of summer. Oh. <laughs> so we're nearly halfway.
1: I'm sort of disappointing disappointed not to see you in your Terry toweling combo this morning because it's a perfect sort of day. It is, but we're going out for
0: lunch and I felt oh, yeah. my legs might distract other diners. <laughs>
1: You have a very good leg You do have a very good <laughs>
0: calf Yes People would be eating their lamb shank And think mm, It's not as meaty as that Lovely calf <laughs> Could you could you kill him? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've got a problem I t- No I, And it's Graham's guy This know. is perfect I know But my own personal one So on brand So, so on brand, brand. Um, I grind my teeth Do you?
0: Nothing grinds my teeth like no, do, no, uh, no, I don't. Grind my gears. No, I don't.
1: And and I've broken a filling by grinding teeth. What can I do? I've got a guard that I put in, and yes. all I do is I clamp down hard on that, and wake up with sort of like lock jaw and headache. Is uh, it low level anxiety? Do you think? I'd
0: say it's quite high level anxiety. <laughs> um, if you no, I mean, surely you uh, there must be. I mean, out there there must be a, a pile of all self help books. Uh, something about
1: uh, <laughs> you mean in Chris <laughs> Evans' corner
0: <laughs> where, where you could just. You know, find some sort of thing to bring you down before you go to sleep. A meditation you do, something to relax you before you go to sleep.
1: I think the Virgin listeners will know. Because in daytime life, fine, but obviously my subconscious is very troubled.
0: Yeah, Actually I was a bit freaked out when I came in today Look at that, look at that thing What is it? Well it's a little origami bird Is it in Blade Runner that the killer leaves little origami birds?
1: Ah it's rather nice You know you come
0: into the crime scene and there's a little Is it, is it Blade Runner? I can't remember I feel what. like a psychopathic killer has been in the studio
1: Someone was, will tell you Well Chris Evans normally sits there
0: Well no What it are was you about, calling no, him? No there was a, man, was a man on yesterday There was ah, a man on yesterday Who made origami who, who does origami Yeah.
1: And Chris liked it so much he left it there
0: or didn't like it so much. He left it there. <laughs> I'm sure he said on air, "I'll take that home and treasure it forever." <laughs>
1: of course he did. That's that's a shame. I sat in your chair last year, last year, last week. Time flies. Yeah, I know when you're having fun. And um, those headphones—they're banging headphones. They must have spent a lot of money on your headphones. They've got a volume control. You can turn them down. I know, but I love them. Oh, do you? Oh, I like know the, oh, the sound is really good. Every every instrument you hear, like sort oh. of you know, waving my arms around my. head. Ed. How has the rest of your week been?
0: Well, I was in uh, my quarantine, you see, when I came back from Oh gosh, you the, have to quarantine the
1: ro- from the Rotterdam. The Rotterdam,
0: but I did I paid a bit extra for my five you know, you do you do a test release on day five, so that's how I'm here. And is
1: that a lateral flow where you get the immediate result? I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody came to the house, stuck a thing up me, and, uh, and then.
1: Someone came to the house.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, big bucks. Big did you
1: bucks. Did you ask to see their security pass? It could have just been anyone to come and <laughs> yeah. stick something I, up I, you. Think, I think it was the gas man. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: just, but he happened to have a Q chip with him.
1: Um, but no, you're very good at the gas thing, anyway. <laughs> yeah.
0: so. Oh, no, very good. It was great. It was great. Have you got letters?
1: Do you know I have?
0: Virgin Radio. Okay, Are you eating the, the, the That's lemon why tart? I've got it? a it's the delicious, front. isn't
1: it? Uh, it's, what, is it a tart citron? Is that what well, it's yeah. called?
0: People wang on about kind of, you know, oh, I make the best lemon tart, I make the... Like, why would you? Why would you, when you go to Waitrose and buy a Sicilian lemon tart that tastes like this? Oh, is it Sicilian?
1: It's Sicilian! <laughs> Is this part of their Sicilian Suddenly, range? Suddenly, oh,
0: that explains everything. Is it part
1: of their Sicilian range? Or are there other Sicilian things? Like a horse's head in a bed.
0: <laughs> Delicious.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read a problem before I get in trouble. Okay. <clears throat> oh, I'll read I'm to You're so professional. Oh, so good. It's a very short problem, Uh-oh. so. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had time to eat this. Yeah, really. D. Graham and Maria. My girlfriend and my family have both booked holidays for the same date under the impression I'm going with them. Who do I go with? And that is from Ben in Blackpool. Ben, I applaud you, sir, for the brevity, for being short and to the yes, point. Yes, it's
0: like he took the notes you gave. You yeah. often complain about how long the letters yeah, are.
1: don't wang on too much. Yeah. Um, but listen, Ben, in Blackpool, I'm guessing you're quite young because there's a thing that we do called talking um, <laughs> <laughs> to both your family and your girlfriend and um, you make sure that there's nothing double-booked for the same date not least of which, a holiday where your family think you're going and your girlfriend think you're going. Somebody here is going to be upset. And it's you who gave them the impression that you're going with them because you haven't opened your big gob and said, oh, no, wait a minute, that is the week that I've agreed to go with, let's call her Kelly, your girlfriend. I'm calling her Kelly, I don't care. Um, So I think you've made a terrible error here, but it's not too late. You now must open your... Mouth and talk to your family and your girlfriend and explain the terrible error that has taken place while you are sitting happily in your armchair, not doing anything. I'm guessing you're going to go on holiday with your girlfriend, so you must tell your family immediately. Or maybe combine... Girlfriend Kelly with the family lamb. That's a very bad idea. <laughs>
0: OK. Um, I, I think... the, the two things How here. How dare you. One, Ben... So, who should I go with? One, where are they going? Where would you like to go? Uh, that's for... The, and also, I think, really, what you need to find out is who has the best chance of getting some money back? You know, who's got the better travel insurance? Who's got the the deal where there's a 48-hour cancellation thing? That's what you need to do. Yeah. Because I love if one the fact of the- that
1: you're thinking, regardless of, you know, the, the dilemma you find yourself in, who's going to the nicest place? Well, well I mean, that would, yes. If someone is going to a seven-star hotel...
0: If the family are off to the Maldives, well, I love you very much, girlfriend, but uh, we'll go to New York another time.
1: But also, (laughs) girlfriend, away for a week, there's one thing that your family won't be able to supply you with. That
0: is very true.
1: So, think hard. Think aunt, Ben. Um, And also, will the girlfriend accept this? I'm thinking not, because she'll say, why didn't you tell me you were going with your family? I hate you. I'm Finishing with you. Enjoy your week in Bognor Regis.
0: <laughs> they uh, live in Blackpool. I mean, everywhere is a holiday. Yes, that's true. Um, um, I, I, look, I just think you. you well, Maria's absolutely right. You've got to say something at this point. You can't. You can't keep this going till I love suddenly. The fact that you
1: decided to write to us instead of going. Hmm, how shall I solve this? Should I talk to my family or my girlfriend? No, I'll oh, write a letter to Graham and yeah. Maria.
0: But I do think. I do think Ben. Once you do. Oh, you know, once you come clean and say, look, I've done a stupid thing here. I didn't say anything. And in fact, I didn't realise these dates were all the same. But that is what's happened. Then I do think you need to get down to nitty gritty and find out who can get their money back. And if neither of them can get their money back, then you go to the best place. And if uh, somebody can get their money back, then you you go with the other person and you
1: yeah and if yeah. they can't get the money back you have to pay the person yeah. that you're not going with because you messed up big time fella and if you'd have just thought about it a little bit a tiny part of your brain thought am I being a bit selfish here by letting them carry on booking this holiday Ben do you want to come with us we're going to the Caribbean oh yeah that sounds great girlfriend do you want to come with me I'm going to Paris for a week oh yeah that sounds great that's how <laughs> that's how I'm making Ben talk well
0: Ben probably he does talk about that because there is a kind thing about Ben, so Ben has just let this happen and now he he's going to wait till someone else solves the problem and actually Ben, let this be a life lesson for you, let this be a learning moment, yeah. a teachable moment Which is why
1: I want him to have to pay some money because yeah. he'll be paying money for a holiday that he can't go on, but I don't think anybody's going to make him pay the money, I think if you're quick about this Ben and you do it with charm and grace and you buy your mum and dad a box of chocolates or a bottle of wine or something, because I'm guessing and you're not going to go with them Then uh, You can get out of this But you've got to approach this Now Too to sweet
0: Quick, 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 quick uh, Let's find out what the listeners think uh, Laura's in South West London I think it's pretty simple If Ben likes his girlfriend He's got to go with her Totally agree though If family's going somewhere good He should try and swing the girlfriend an invite Bob from Beckham I think speaks for a lot of people How old is Ben? Seven? He's had enough holidays with the family over the years. Go with a girlfriend and uh, live a full life. Uh, Well, I guess, but then, you know, there's money involved at this point. Uh, Mary is in Seven Oaks. This is simple. Oh, here we go. This is simple. If neither asked or they both did not ask you before they booked the holiday then go with whoever told you first if one of them checked with you first then go with them if they can't communicate with you then that's their issue and they won't get your wonderful company on holiday do you think ben and blackpool wrote in pretending to be mary in seven oaks because he's done a real twist on this problem like yeah it's not Ben's fault it's everyone else's fault that's how this happened uh, jane in sheffield my teenage daughter my teenage daughter uh, once said she didn't want to come on holiday with us uh, to france um uh, i thought fast and suggested her boyfriend ca- came with us resulting happy ending jane, jane in sheffield all right oh rachel from sunny pool poor ben Trying to please everyone. (laughs) Have the same conversation with both family and girlfriend of... I'm so sorry. I love spending time with you. I shouldn't have agreed to a holiday because I've already booked to go with my girlfriend slash family. I don't want to disappoint either of you, so have decided not to go at all. I hope you'll understand. Then go on holiday with your mates. Much more fun, no difficult decisions. Well done, Rachel from Sunny Pool. I tell you what, we're giving away, uh, for Graham's Guide, my favourite ones today, are getting some Waitrose Blueprint Fino Sherry Wine. Sherry, for the good advice. Uh, Sherry is going to... I'm going to give it to Rachel in Sunnypool for her uh, amusing one-act play there. Well done, her. Uh, do you have another problem? I do let's hear
1: it. Okay, here we are. That's me turning over the page. <clears throat> Dear Graham Maria Maria, I have a neighbour with a lot large... <laughs> That's your own name. <laughs> I know that's a bit I never read. <laughs> Didn't practice that. De Graham and Maria, I have a neighbour with a large dog who I frequently bump into when I go out for walks with my own dog. Every time the neighbour's dog sees my dog, it barks and snarls, showing its teeth in a terrifying way. The owner, brackets a slim woman, has to restrain their dog by holding it round its chest until we're out of sight. This frequent situation is very scary and the owner also looks scared and embarrassed. Neither of us say anything. The dog seems to be very unhappy. If the owner un- <laughs> if the owner is unable to train the dog properly, should I report her to someone? What do I do? And that is from Josie in London. And back off, Josie in well, London. They, no, no, wait. Uh, this, this is two minutes yeah. of your day that this, you encountered this. And I think dogs on leads encountering other dogs, it's a well-known phenomenon. They don't like to be on a lead with other dogs. It's about status and who's the alpha, etc., etc. I'm guessing this other dog is the alpha because it's very, very, very big. So when you say neither of us say anything try saying hello. Try smiling at her. Make some contact with this lady who's having trouble with her dog. Um, You know, you don't know what the dog is like for the rest of the time. It could just be your dog that triggers it into a snily, you know, mad beast. Uh, because sometimes other dogs do that. Sometimes dogs are fine with one. They're, they're like us. They're peculiar. You can't really read them. So I would say just try and have some sort of relationship with this lady and smile at her, talk to her, say, oh, is he like that with every dog? You know, I went to this trainer. Would you like the card? Blah, blah, blah. She might take offence. She might not. But you can't go reporting her to somebody. Who are you going to report her to? The Snarly Dog Police. Well... All
0: I would say is, because, you know, you do encounter these people and they have big dangerous dogs. They don't appear to be in any sort of control of them, particularly, you know, slight people, you know, a slight person kind of with, you know, she's got her arms around this thing trying to restrain it. There'll come a day when she doesn't restrain it. And then what happens? You know, and I agree with you, I don't know who you reported to and you you don't want the situation to escalate or out of control, but equally this is an accident waiting to happen. Yeah. This won't end well.
1: And um, But also, have you not seen that video? There's a video of two dogs snarling at each other really going with teeth showing and gum showing. you think they'd kill each other. And then the owner gently just slides the gate across. And then they both just stand there and go... In, in, mm, mm, and then they slide the, the back. It's sometimes the lead that does it. I think there'll be a dog trainer out there that will confirm this. That the lead and its status and they want to get to that dog, but then once they get there, they don't do anything. We don't know. This is a dangerous situation. The lady yes. must be aware of this.
0: I mean, and also you don't know. I mean, I've had I had two dogs. One was little and vicious, and <laughs> but she was the good Thing was, she was controllable. You could pick her up and and you could take her away. Um, Bailey, the big one, was a sweetheart. He wouldn't hurt anybody. There were certain dogs like this on walks that would trigger him and he would get very barky and be very boisterous. Da, da, da. And I'm sure it did terrify people. But I always felt kind of confident because I knew, you know, one, the you know, as long as the lead didn't break, I had him. And also he was never going to do anything mm. terrible because he he wasn't an aggressive dog, but he did look it. So...
1: People generally know their own dogs. That's why I said uh, this lady doesn't know... Josie doesn't know what this dog is like the rest of the time. Yes, I
0: think the key is talk to your neighbour when you don't have your dog with you. Because it, you can't talk to her. You know, you're saying, oh, say hello, da-da-da. If she's got her arms round a big, snarly, vicious dog, it's not chatty time. She just wants you to go. Please just keep walking with your dog. Yeah. Don't stop make this situation stop, go away. The other thing I would say, so one, talk to the lady when, uh, the, uh, when the, the dog, dog isn't when, there. when your dog isn't there. Uh, but also, Josie, I would say uh, avoid. You know, you see this woman with the big dog, turn around, go a different way. Go the long way around the block. Yes. Just go out of your way to avoid the situation because, as I say, it sounds like this could end
1: Yes. And sometimes if the lady who's very slim and having trouble with this big snarly dog, um, the fear goes down, you know, she's fearful because she's fearful it's going to escape. The fear goes down the lead and makes the dog worse. Yes. I mean, I think. That's quite a known thing as well, that if you're yes. agitated or anxious yes. in any way, a dog will tense that and will respond accordingly. So- Apparently,
0: if a quivering human is... Uh, <laughs> ..has their arms <laughs> around you and is holding you back... You but w- it certainly you sounds that.
1: like some training is needed. And maybe have a coffee with this lady, Sans Dog-za, yeah. and, uh, you know, t- just talk to her. Just befriend her. You say neither of us we'd see it every day, it happens every day, yeah, neither of but, but, but you
0: can't befriend because you've got these dogs and you're in your situation. I bet you Virgin listeners will have good advice. Mary Barnett says... Josie is your dog a puff a pug frenchie my little dog boris and by that i think she means her big dog boris accepts all breeds except those it is true dog there is racism is rife in dogland and uh, and pugs i think <laughs> are at the, the forefront of it. Uh, dogs don't see, I think maybe it's the noise they make, the breathing. Or maybe they just, because they're fat, flat-faced, they just don't look like a dog. They don't recognise them as a dog, but they don't like them. When I see one coming, I avoid it like the plague. Just cross the road. Russell and Portsmouth. Maybe Cujo hasn't seen a lot of dogs before. Have a chat with your neighbour more often when out. Cujo could get used to your dog and calm down. I mean, that is the thing. You should be able to introduce these dogs if, they live that, if you live that close to them. You know, if you meet them away from somebody in a park maybe suggest that you share money on a trainer i don't know uh, spike isn't a dog, Spike's a person and lives in Stevenage. I think Josie should consider calling the RSPCA for advice, but not actually reporting her neighbour. It doesn't sound as if the owner is mistreating the dog, but if the owner is not in control of the dog, this could certainly increase the chances of an incident in the future. And weirdly, I think British law is really strict. I remember when I was training one of my dogs, my dog trainer told me that actually... If you're, if you're afraid of a dog, if a dog makes you scared, you can report it. I mean, I think the, the law is that strict. I don't know what happens. Don't do come at me. I've never done it. I don't know what happens. But I think you can. Uh, and final advice, James at Enfield. Good morning, Graham. My advice for the dog walker is cross the road. It is not as if her neighbour and the dog energise in front of her like Captain Kirk and Spock every time she goes for a walk. James, you are so right because, yeah, I mean, sometimes you'll turn a corner and there they are. But most of the time, you must see them. It's a big dog, and as I said, turn around, go the long way back home. You know, just go out of your way to avoid this situation. Very good advice from James. You are getting the Waitrose blueprint fino sherry wine, sherry wine. It's not. Sh- I mean. A cherry, but it's quite cherry wine. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Welcome to the studio, my old friend Jeremy Langmead. Hello. Hello, Graham. Thank you. And a new friend, Dr David Jack. Hello. Hi, Graham. Uh, now, you, together you've written Vainglories, a shameless guide for men who want to look their best. So uh, is this because, is this book necessary because men are a bit useless about talking about these things, even though we want to look well, we don't want to talk, or is it because men's requirements, or men's skin, or men's whatever, are different to women's?
2: Well, I think it's... Actually, I do one, you do the other. Cause yeah, you're sure. Better. This is very good, very good. Yeah. OK, yeah, it's like so, a yeah. night. Well, okay. Yeah, but, but some middle-aged men particularly don't talk to each other about their looks much. And it's and it's kind of weird, why not? You know when you go to a wedding um, and all the women say, God, you look amazing, your hair's beautiful, where'd you get those shoes from? And the guys look at each other and go, hey, all right, yeah, yeah, mate, I'm all right. Yeah. And then that's it. So we, we yeah. never sort of discuss our looks with each other. And... Um, and I'm like, yeah, we should do. Um, and whenever I write a, um, a piece for, for The Times about grooming, the comments you get underneath from other men are hateful. They are furious. <laughs> that I am vain. Vanity makes other men so angry. And that's why I sort of wanted to do a book that sort of tried to take away the stigma of caring about what you look like. Yeah, because we do yeah. care what we look we like. Do, yeah. totally. well, yeah. We do totally. Yeah, yeah. Some, some people don't, and they, they are so lucky to be honest. I was—I wish I was someone who didn't care, because it must be so no, much no. more. No, But relaxing. those people who don't care yeah. do care. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, do not caring is a choice. <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah.
3: True. And I see it every day in clinic. People yeah. coming in, and men who would—you'd never suspect care about their looks. They're they're desperate to talk about things and they open up because they're in a private room with with one other person and it's it's amazing to to hear some of the things from people you just would not expect.
0: So is yours a proper kind of, you know, Hollywood Hills uh, plastic surgery clinic
3: um, it's not, not quite Hollywood Hills but I wish it was but it's uh, yeah it's uh, quite a small clinic in Harley Street um, where I kind of I see a whole load of different people um, but it's really just me and one other person that I work with so it's okay. quite petite it's not
0: petite. plastic surgery a tip when you talk to Dr David uh, you need, still need to talk into the microphone oh, yes. okay. I'm sorry I um, know you want to look at him of course we all, we all want to look we all want to look at Dr. David Jack. But, uh, uh, so, did you meet
2: uh, professionally, or did you or did you meet socially? <laughs> no, we did. I went to interview David for a piece, um, and and I remember very clearly saying at the beginning, "If if I was a patient and coming in to see you, what would you suggest I have done?" And I was hoping it was going to be a very quick conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Forty five minutes <Yes>.
3: later,
2: <laughs> we're still hearing about what Nita done. So, but. Um, that that's how we met, really. And but it was just so interesting finding out little things that you can do to your face and your skin that, that can make quite a big difference. And uh, it's interesting because on my way here, I was thinking,
0: will I ask Dr. David? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, th- thanks for that tip. I will not be asking. I will not yeah, be yeah, asking. That question. Right, you need to yeah.
3: add on a bit of uh, <laughs> extra time. <laughs> so, so, but, uh, but,
0: Dr. David, is there? Uh, are there? Th- things that are different about men's skin for instance when it's aging because obviously women go through the menopause and all that so that obviously sure. changes things
3: yeah so- i mean there's there's a slightly different baseline the skin is slightly thicker in men so it, it ages slightly more slowly in some people uh, c- compared to women um generally speaking though, no, people age in the same way um men tend to look after their skin not as well as women so the starting point when they come in to see me is probably a lot kind of further gone than women um but essentially you approach things the same way. And I always think with women, women are kind of lucky in one way, in that they get to use
0: makeup in an overt way yeah. you know they can they they can put on big lashes uh-huh. they can put on bright lips blah, blah, blah. Yeah. whereas men's makeup needs to be much more
2: subtle yeah and you, and you talk about makeup in the in the book yeah because it's, i mean it's such a growing category and it's huge in asia and in in, in korea so it is coming this way and obviously we get tinted moisturizers mm. and you can get under eye creams and then there's the um uh, there's there's brow gels that sort of just get your eyebrow hairs into a bit of a tamed shape um so there's lots you can do now but they're given quite sort of butcher names which yes, makes yeah. it a bit easier like for scruffing us. scruffing lotion yeah, Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But there's loads okay. of kids now in their 20s as you know you'll have seen wandering around with full makeup on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, which is great. Yeah. Except I, I, I feel like you shouldn't see them walking around in full makeup. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you know what I mean? If they were applying it properly, I wouldn't know. No, well, yeah. that, that's true. But I suppose that some of it is a bit like in the 80s, isn't it, when we had all those new romantics wandering around? and There was something quite cute about it, perhaps. Yeah. And and they're getting back to that. And in terms of, you know, how
0: far do you go, uh-huh. um, uh, where do you draw... I mean, do you ever draw the line, yeah, uh, yeah, Dr David? Yeah, all the time. So all people time. come in people asking go, for things and you go, and no, I'm not going They're just going to look
3: ridiculous, so... I have to say stop quite a lot, actually. Um and yeah, particularly people who have have done quite a lot in the past, they tend to want to do more and more and more. So it's yeah, I almost every day I have to say Enough is enough. We turn so, to Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy
0: Landy. <laughs> but, but, but you know, because you have started this now, yeah. you know, you have picked a fight. You have picked a fight with <laughs> Mother Nature. Yeah. Well, eventually you will lose.
2: But but when do you when do you throw in the
0: towel or do you
2: ever? Uh, I think that's a good... But, but this is why it's sort of... And I hate the word tweaks because it sounds so twee. Um, but yeah. it, this is why it's just all about doing little things that don't make a huge difference but just a subtle difference. But you're mm. right. It's, earlier, it's like when you go into a sweet shop and someone says you can have those three sweets but not all the sweets mm. over there. So it is hard limiting yourself <laughs> to the number of things that you can do because yeah. it's a bit like... Do you remember Mr, was it Mr Potato Head or Spud Face where you could put all bits on his oh, head? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. I kind of look upon myself as that now. Oh, I can put an ear here and then... <laughs> isn't this fun? Yeah. <laughs> He's always loved rabbits.
3: He's
0: yeah. always life. Now, we, one of the things, well, two things. OK, let's talk about, because the book isn't all about kind of uh, medical procedures and, mm. and potions and things, because you were uh, the director of Mr. Porter. I'm yeah. saying director, I have no idea what your job title was, but you were the boss. Ish, yeah. You were the head of Mr. Porter. So there's a very good section on dressing. Yes. Which I need to read.
4: <laughs> no, you, don't. No, you well, don't.
0: no, no. But the thing is, I read it, and I kind of think I did know that. Why <laughs> yeah. Why does my wardrobe look the way it does?
2: <laughs> but there, there are some really simple tricks that just make a big difference. Um, and that was another thing that we wanted to share in the book. I mean, for instance, if you have a hangover, uh, vaguely me this morning, <laughs> put on a pale blue shirt. And um, it puts a colour back on your face. And it's just, if people knew that, it just makes it so much easier. If your face is creased, wear something uncreased. And that kind of balances it out. And yes. it's just sort of obvious, but we often don't think about it. Yeah. And na- I mean, things like, you know, everyone should own a very well cut navy blazer. Because... Navy blazer. Yeah. Because also, once you reach a certain age, black is an unflattering colour against your skin. So navy is always better on older skin. Oh,
0: No, poor older Goths. I know. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, yes. who has worse luck than them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is why they are single. Um, and a blazer that's well cut is much easier to get you into shape than going to a gym for a year isn't it so it's just those those little things that make a big difference and uh, I suppose
0: uh Dr David the big difference between uh men and women is hair yeah hair loss is I would imagine the number one male
3: vanity thing totally um I mean how much can you do there's a few things uh, from sort of topical topical lotions that can they don't work, but, uh, do they, they not really work that well no. to be honest? I mean that's just money yeah. all down the yeah. sink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, there there's a, some kind of injections that you can do to try to stimulate hair growth. It doesn't work particularly well Again, in men.
0: money old
3: rope. Or or <laughs> you can transfer hair from the back of your head to the to the front. Um, and that does work. And that it? does work. I did yeah, it, it. I've done it, Everybody yeah. Has, yeah. Uh, and is it is it still working? Yeah, well, it's still there. Yeah. I can see it's it, it yeah? good
2: even good from good. a distance. <laughs> 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 and and do you know, so, well, it's easy for me because I just sat there. But they, they, but it's weird because they take. Seventeen hundred and fifty hairs in my yeah. case, from the back of my head, and then put seventeen hundred fifty holes into your forehead. How long does and that take? It takes seven hours. See, already I'm out. But I'm no because <laughs> I prefer w- to be bald. You're watching. You're watching. You're watching Teddy eating Haribo on the best painkillers God <laughs> yeah. God can make. It was one of my favourite days out in years. Yeah. It really was. I loved my time. But, yeah. Doctor David,
0: how long does it last? Because I know people have had that done. Yeah. And then you know, two years later, I meet them and they've just been to <laughs> Paris Paris. Yes yeah. <laughs> Mysteriously
3: yeah. uh, So how long Does it does it last forever? So there, there will be Some hairs That are permanently there um, But then you'll Continue to get a, <laughs> a cool. bit, a Some of, hairs yeah. There's one <laughs> There's three <laughs> hairs left After three oh, years yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, But you would expect To lose probably About 30% So yeah oh. Yeah, And then quite often People do go back For a second procedure Well it
2: depends how, If you do it early Then the chances are Your hair's yeah. going to carry on But I did yeah. it quite latish, So fingers yeah. crossed That will that, stay as it is Yes I
0: mean I'm going to do what I wasn't going to do but I've left it too late haven't I Dr David no
2: but you've got never, good so hair. Hair.
0: oh don't oh, don't mock me now. on the radio <laughs> <laughs> don't just laugh at me you've
3: had, yeah. it was actually yeah, a
0: huge he's... hair about a week ago you've
2: had oh no I did yeah. I have to say I, that yeah. was I mean it looked awful but I was so pleased yeah. that I'd grown it so. yeah. Yeah. well that's the thing which is why I think men don't need to colour their hair because you yeah. should just be so thrilled you've got some who cares yeah. what colour it is yeah yeah
3: yeah and there's other things that you can do as well like micropigmentation of the scalp you can there's you can also now implant fake hairs as well which sounds a bit kind of freaky it's a little um, astroturf sure it's a little after term, term, that. Yeah. are they from a donor are they no, no, from a donor they're, no no they're synthetic hairs oh so, nice. yeah, really? it's quite a new thing on amazon but... <laughs> yeah 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 exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, that, yeah.
0: Yes. is Jeremy now thinking mm, I could do that <laughs> you can see must go, <laughs> go. <laughs> yes yeah. well
2: it's been lovely chatting uh, <laughs> yeah. Dr David quick sexy straight, straight on one, so, yeah. <laughs> but the horrible thing also is as you get older of course as we all know is then the hair comes in the wrong places and that's so depressing yes yeah the worst, I think.
0: Yes, because then, of course, while you're getting it put on your head, you're getting it lasered
2: off other bits exactly, of you. Exactly, like, yes. exactly. It's a
0: bitter irony. It's yeah. just a bitter
2: irony, isn't <laughs> 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 it? the ear hairs, because you can't see them. So you have to yeah. rely on someone you, telling you and it's not the best thing
3: to hear overnight. Yes. Yeah. And you can't, I sort of, can't yeah. really laser them either. Oh, can you not? Ears. No, it's really difficult. Oh, right. Extremely painful. Yeah, I, get, I get
0: those sort of like tomato yeah. plant tendrils coming out
2: of my yeah. eyebrows.
0: They're just uh-huh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> terrifying. But they come
2: overnight, don't you? That's a weird thing. Overnight, they suddenly appear. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, you can grow, can you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, thank
0: you yeah. very much. <laughs> and listen, it's a really great book because it's thank a proper you. kind thank of... All those things that you... It's I think it's all those things things you were afraid to ask. You kind of thought, oh, I'd quite like to know about that, but I don't particularly want to, you know, book an appointment with Dr. David and then, and you know, but it answers all those questions. And you're really frank about the things that hurt, the things that are worth the money, the things
2: that aren't worth the money. What was the owiest thing you had done? uh, The Arius thing is probably called Morpheus 8, where all these needles go into your skin and it sort of damages the skin and then the skin heals itself. And it does look better, but it is hollow. Little needles going into your face. Well, it could only look better. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm just so thrilled to be alive at the end of it.
0: It's worth every penny. (laughs) I look great. Uh, Vainglorious, a shameless guide for men who want to look their best, is out now. Uh, Jeremy and David, thank you so much for coming to see us. Thank you, Graham. Bye bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. This woman has written uh, 20... 21 now. uh, Best-selling books. The latest is called Both of You. It's a fabulous twisty-turny thriller. Uh, Adele Parks is her name, and she's here now. Hello, Adele.
5: Hello. How lovely to be here.
0: I know, out in the world. (laughs) blinking, Blinking in the light. Um, How are you?
5: I'm excited, actually. (laughs) Having a bit of a fangirl moment with you, Graeme. So, yeah, yeah, it's lovely to be here.
0: Uh, But so... uh, we were just saying during the record, it's quite a tricky book to talk about because the the twists come
5: quite quickly. They do, and they completely change the whole perspective, don't they? Yes. of the book.
0: So, uh, so how much do you tell people? Do you, do you people, want me today? Yeah, yeah you no, no you that, to it's not my job. You it's your job. Yeah. You spoil it. Okay,
5: I'll, I'll try not <laughs> you to. You ruin the book. Publicists will be outside going <laughs> rubbish. No. Uh, no. So how it works is there's two women that go missing in the same week, um, which happens to be the week before lockdown. Lockdown's not a big thing in it. It's just a back backdrop but one of them is a stepmom quite contented two lovely young boys and a lovely husband and she just goes to work and disappears nobody's heard from her family appear to be devastated the other woman while she only lives a couple of miles away her life is light years away because she lives with her very sexy slightly younger um, merchant bank husband they live in a penthouse the kind of couple that you know have uh, cooks to come around and do their, their, their dinner parties and artists and MPs arrive. So very different worlds. But she also goes missing. And the DC thinks at a gut level there must be a connection between their cases. What were these women running from or, or possibly towards or were they taken? So it's all about where are they? Can you get them back? Who's under suspicion? But I can't tell you anything, really, no. other than that.
0: And it's told from all different perspectives. It's it all, is. all the different voices.
5: Both of the women, their husbands that they leave behind, because obviously the suspicion always turns on the husbands, first of all. Um, Lee, the one with kids, we uh, hear from her kids, we hear from her best friend. So, yeah, everybody's got a little viewpoint, and and you don't know who to trust.
0: And when it, you know, this story, did something spark this story in your head? Was there a news story that kind of sparked um, this story? I think
5: missing people is really interesting. You know, why, there, there are a lot of people that go missing. I know. A huge number.
0: Isn't it true like the vast majority are never found? <laughs>
5: A lot of them come home. A lot of them do just come home. Okay. But the ones that genuinely want to go missing can go missing, and um, and that's really shocking, actually. And what they leave behind is really shocking. And I think we've all seen those posters, haven't we? You know, yeah. my son's missing. My mother's missing. And I always just think of the families and how devastating that must be not to know. Um, so that was always in the back of my mind. But it's also about some of the themes I love, which are themes such as um, well. Domestic ambition, which is wanting <laughs> wanting more than you're possibly allowed, so it's a Nice way to talk about adultery. Um, you know, <laughs>
3: just,
0: yes, I've been, overly, I, I've been overly, I've had overly domestic ambitions. <laughs> yes, that's how I'm
5: coining the phrase right now. Yeah. Um, about that, about friendships, uh, about thinking the grass is greener on the other side. There's a lot of the themes that I find fascinating that we none of us can get away from.
0: And what's phenomenal about you is, you know, you've had this incredible track record of books. This is book twenty-one. Do you have? the luxury of self-doubt or is the publisher just going, next one, please, Uh, come on now, type Um, type faster.
5: I'm quite self-critical. I don't self-doubt because I know I'll get there, but I definitely know when I'm not there. So when I'm writing, I can find find fault and I can certainly think, well, that needs a rewrite. In fact, the book before this one, I ditched at 80,000 words. Some might say there was a bit of self-doubt at that moment. Um, I mean, yeah, that's
0: you're nearly there. I, I at was 80... nearly
5: there. Mine are about 110,000 words, so yeah. 80,000 words. I just thought the viewpoint was wrong and I was sort of misleading my my reader. There's a thing about sort of a sleight of hand in a reveal, but there's a different thing of, of misleading. So I ditched at 80,000. So I'm not averse to being self-critical, but I think it's different to self-doubt because I do really, this is so vain, I do really think I'm good.
0: Clearly, you're brilliant. <laughs> you're brilliant.
5: So I think I'll get there, but yeah. I just don't know when. But I suppose
0: it's that thing. So you write the first book and, you know, that's the big thing. Once mm. you've written the first book, you're think, I can do this, I can write a book. And then there's the second book. third. But in that span of 21 books, yeah, d- w- did it ever feel like heavy lifting or was it always joyous? Uh,
5: a little bit, if I'm really honest with myself. I think about sort of. 12, I started to think <laughs> am I, uh, you know, and then I changed genre I literally started writing historical novels just to kind of shake it up and shake myself up and, you know, I did a uh, very different approach to research and I, I set two novels in World War One, and then sort of felt refreshed and came back and, and started writing thrillers. Oh, but I think interesting? changing genres helps me keep fresh Oh, that's really
0: interesting, yeah mm. that, That's a good so idea. So this is my
5: third genre so I sort of did, you know, I don't know what you want to call it women's fiction first of all yeah. and then I did historical novels and now I do these dark, twisty thrillers.
0: And it's so twisty. Um, Freya in Leeds. Just, what's your process for generating ideas? Your plots are brilliant, but I'm always amazed at how insightful they are as well as gripping. There's a, a loyal lovely. reader. Yeah. yeah.
5: Checks in the post. Um, so uh, I don't know where I come up with ideas. I mean, I just have ideas. I have more ideas than I have time and I have ideas all the time. But I do know that I plot really carefully for about three months before I actually start writing my ideas. And in those three months, I might have had four or five things that I've thought, that's not going to work. It's more of, you know, it's not the length of a novel. There's not enough reveals. The characters won't grip you for long enough. So I think there's a lot about my process that's about planning. Characters particularly... um, I interview my characters. You'd be very pleased, Graham. Yeah. I uh, want to get to know them as well as I'd know a really good friend. So I have sort of about maybe 50 questions that I will throw at them. Obviously, all those answers don't turn up in a book. It'd be a really boring book. But it just gives me some security of knowing where they're going to go. And it, it feels Sense and how did for you me. find how
0: did you find that process just by
5: just kind of made an error yeah because I talked to myself and I talked to <laughs> my characters and then I thought oh I should capture some of this when I talk to my characters um, and and also because I'm <laughs> you know. I'm getting on, so I forget more. So I can't depend on just keeping it in my head. So I do write a lot more down, which I think is just honest. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, And how far ahead
0: do you work? I mean, this is book 21. Is 22 already done and dusted?
5: More or less. It's not done and dusted. I'm 95,000 words in. And I've paused now because I'm promoting. But yeah. I'll go back to it. And it'll be end, end of June. It'll be finished.
0: And I always think this is interesting too because, you know, writing a book's part of the job but then selling the book is the other half of the job. And clearly you were very good at that. You came in with your face mask today that has the, you know, both of you on the cover. (laughs) And, you know, you're obviously, you enjoy this bit of selling. Did you know you were going to enjoy this bit?
5: I didn't even know it was going to happen. I mean, I'm I'm ex-advertising. I used to work in advertising so I know things need to be sold. It, It doesn't worry me that I'm selling my book. It'd be ridiculous to write a book and not expect, not hope for people to read it. Yeah. So I want as many people to read it as possible, but you kind of have to get the balance. I take the mick out of myself. I am walking around with a a branded mask today, which will (laughs) obviously cause people to to laugh and chat and talk. And and that's that's great. And let's do a bit of that. there are, it's two very different parts of my personality. And I'm glad I've got both. I'm glad I've, I get to be out and about and talk to real life people that I can't control. But I really like sitting at home with my desk with the people I can control, which yeah. are my characters.
0: But you, a book events and things, you must meet those authors who just aren't good at this. And, there, there and, you, feel, and you feel authors. so sorry for yeah. them because... This is this is part of the job It
5: is now And I think a lot of authors go into writing Because they like being on the sidelines They like watching And they don't want to be centre stage <laughs> um, I'm alright with centre stage
0: <laughs> Loving it Loving it and now we bring the curtain down uh, on Adele Parks. Adele Parks, we're out of time, but let's just remind everybody, both of you, uh, just a terrific twisty-turny uh, book uh, is out now in hardback. Both of you is the name of it. Adele, thank you so much for coming in to see us. Absolute pleasure. Still to come, Tom Carriage brings us his very time-to-cook book, Tom Carriage's Outdoor Cooking. But first, Adam Kaye chats to us about the paperback release of Kay's Anatomy. Hello, Adam Kay.
4: Hello, Graham Otten.
0: Oh, you are there. Good. (laughs) I thought you were teasing me, (laughs) hiding behind the sofa. (laughs) But you're there. You're there.
4: How are you? It's sort of hard to tell these days, isn't it? I think I'm all right. The sun's shining. I've had two doses of a vaccine. All feels good.
0: Woohoo! And also, you're a doctor. If you don't know how you're feeling, I
4: mean, (laughs) who does? I mean, I've not been working as a doctor for ten years, and I've been almost continually drunk in the meantime. So. but I was thinking about you today because the, the last
0: year you know anyone who's got anything to do with the medical profession presumably people are just turning to you constantly you know, Adam what do you think Adam what should we do what what's the future hold adam
4: uh yeah uh, there's, there's been a, there's been a bit of that but I think the questions get uh, get scanter and scanter as the years go by and increasingly I'm saying have you googled it <laughs>
0: Uh, so, Kay's Anatomy. It is. Uh, it. What age is precisely? Are. 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 Or generally, what's it? A, who is it aimed so at? I mean,
4: on the on the tin, it says seven to twelve year olds. But essentially, it's also aimed at uh, their parents who never quite understood uh, how the body worked in the first place, and they can sort of subcontract all of those medical questions to me.
0: And we must mention Henry Parker, who did all the illustrations, which are genius.
4: Yeah, he's a, he's a brilliant uh, comedian and writer and cartoonist and it's very much a, a team effort. So if you're someone who doesn't much like words, there, there's plenty of pictures. And listen, at the end, there's credits. I mean, this book took a village. Yeah, in all my books, I have a credit section at the end, as well as the sort of standard acknowledgements where I thank my dog and my agent. Um, because every well, you, you know how, the, you know how mm. it works to, to write a book. It's sort of uh, we get all the credit on our name goes on the front. But there's, there's north of 100 people involved in putting a book together. And I think like on a TV show, everyone gets their name at the end as an acknowledgement. I do the same in my books. So, uh, so I can't just pretend it was all me. Well, I
0: do. Uh that's what I do. Uh
4: So should... <laughs> <laughs> who are you referring
0: to? <laughs> I'm I manned the printing press. What what are the like when you went to, when you were training to be a doctor, you know, you must get all those stats, bits of trivia. What were your favorite bits of trivia that you thought, "Oh, good, finally I can put that in this book."
4: Yeah. I mean, I have the sense of humour of a seven to twelve year old, so uh, it was it was it was quite uh, it was quite handy. So the the stuff that I generally found interesting slash disgusting all made it in. So like the fact that uh, every year you make six hundred litres of wee, which is enough to fill the tank of ten cars. If you unfolded your brain, it would be as big as your pillow. Every day you make enough saliva to fill two cans of coke the longest ever fart was three minutes long I mean there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of that stuff and um I mean for whatever I think I know the reason why uh the body isn't as cool or exciting for kids as like space or dinosaurs and the reason is probably that you're forced to sit down on an uncomfortable chair and and learn about it so I just wanted to uh, share my enthusiasm about what an amazing bit of kit it is uh, via humour slash revoltingness and see if that got kids interested.
3: Yeah,
0: no, it is probably funny. And also, I mean, you know, I'm 58. I immediately turned to reproduction. I mean, that was where I... (laughs) Quite right. <laughs> and you know that every child—that's where they're going. <laughs> um,
4: and I mean, it's important stuff. I mean, it was—it was, it was really—it was really key to doing this book. It's sort of—it's a slight confidence trick. I'm drawing them in with the with the promises of disgustingness and uh, and and humour, but I don't shy away from the stuff that they need to no, know. And it's not just the the reproduction stuff. I talk about um, mental health and mental illness, and I talk about body image, smoking, drugs, and we talk about cancer and death and, uh, and things that will you know will, will affect these kids and, and their families and so uh, so it's important to get those that sort of stuff in there.
0: So normally uh, you know when you bring out a book you get to do lots of events and I'm sure you'd be going to schools and you know showing the funny pictures and telling you know listing kind of disgusting facts and outraging teachers but, but did you get to do any of
2: that?
4: Uh, it's all been done from the convenience uh, of my of my house, which is which is it's, it's better than nothing. But it's a shame not to um, not to actually see the kids and, and ask the questions because you know whoever you're writing a book for, whether it's adults or children, half of the fun of it is actually uh, is actually going out there and uh, and, um, and and engaging with one's people.
0: And also because you know you were a stand up, uh, you are a stand up. I mean, you you like performing, you like engaging with an audience. Do you uh, are you going to kind of of uh itch that scratch again in the future or is books it now
4: no i mean i've um i i'm, I'm going back on on tour with uh, this is going to hurt uh, i think starting next month uh, in the west end and i mean i'm i'm desperate to get back because as you know um much like writing a book uh the person on stage is only a very tiny percentage uh, of the, of the work involved in a in a show and uh, a lot of the a lot of the people who work in theatres in their thousands the you know the lighting and sound technicians you know front of house backstage everyone has has fallen between the cracks a bit of uh, of government support and it's been a really rubbish year for them so uh, for that as much as for seeing the audiences I'm, I'm desperate to get back on stage.
0: And actually talking of that we should mention uh, Dear NHS which is still out there you're Big anthology book.
4: Yes, I'd love to mention that, and uh, I'd love to mention you as well because you're the, you're at the very start of yes, it. Yes, so I am in is... it. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this was this was um, uh, this came out last year to raise uh, money for NHS charities together, and which it has, it's raised over three hundred and seventy-five pounds for them so far. And it is a hundred brilliant people uh, writing their. Memories of the NHS, and it all adds up together to this sort of rather, rather sweet and wonderful love letter to this amazing institution. Because it must have been, uh, I don't know how. I mean, when
0: uh, at the beginning of the the first lockdown, when when that you know the medical, uh, it seemed like our medical services might be overwhelmed, and everyone was coming on. Were you? You're not qualified anymore. You couldn't go and help in a hospital, could you?
4: well i uh, there, there was a big shout out for anyone who used to be a doctor and anyone's ever like watched Dr. Foster or something <laughs> to, to, to phone up and, uh, and and sort of offer their services which I obviously obviously did and, uh and at that time, no one knew quite how many extra people were going to be needed. Uh, and slightly insultingly, they sort of looked at my CV and were like, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you. And then they didn't get back to me. So uh, with uh, wanting to do something to help in a roundabout way, I thought that, uh, that raising, raising money through this book might be <laughs> something.
0: Yeah, no, it's more than something. It is a thing. And uh, I think, I've spoken to you, I've interviewed you a few times now, and we always talk, we always talk about the TV adaptation of This Is Going To Hurt. (laughs) Has it been on and I missed it? What happened to that?
4: Well, I mean, I don't, if, don't know if you heard there was this this uh, global pandemic that, that sort of went, went around. The Pass last year me so, by. Which is okay. <laughs> well, 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 I mean, you probably don't need to know too much about it. But it's uh, long story short. The most important thing is uh, is it delayed a lot of television. Uh, so it is currently shooting, and oh. then and then they have to. I don't know if you've to told it. me
0: this before. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> or it's sort of sort of aren't, aren't you in it are, you, are you in it are you in it I'm definitely not in it no 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 uh, I, I made the excellent decision to uh, to have Ben Whishaw uh, be, be in it instead of me so he's wow. playing me, that's like fan like absolutely... fiction that's like
0: fan fiction isn't
4: it <laughs> <laughs> it really is so I obviously cast some about 50 times as good looking as me uh, to be in it and a proper national treasure and uh, he's so good and so funny and that's out uh, on the BBC and AMC in the states at some point when they uh, when the virus lets us finish
0: yeah sure adam yeah that's happening <laughs> um... <laughs> Adam Kay, fantasist, yeah, Ben Wishaw, Ben Wishaw's playing me. It's gonna be, it's gonna global. It's gonna be everywhere. That's happening. Um, and have you finished the follow-up, Kay's Marvelous Medicine? Now,
4: uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's that's currently being uh, being typed up and sort of and and and, uh, and tarted up. So yeah, that's uh, that's out in September. Another book for kids, and that is all about what medicine was like in the olden days when they didn't quite have it right.
0: Oh, uh, I tell you, Amelie, oddly I went to see the musical Amelie last night, but Amelie from Foston has been in touch. Uh, she's 10, and she's reading Kay's Anatomy. I love it so much. I was wondering how long it took you to write because there are so many facts in it.
4: Uh, it, it took me about four months to write.
0: Oh, Wow. So, you, yeah. Uh, and, and when, you know, at the, at the back, there's all the kind of the readers and things you, you, you gave it to loads of doctors. Was there were there many things, where, you know, did doctors kind of elbow their way in and kind of go, hang on, <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to soften that a bit or, you need, you know, all that sort of stuff
4: well I, I, wrote, I wrote for kids exactly as I write for for adults um, and because I never liked being patronized when I was that age so and uh, so hopefully the sense of humor still works i stripped out some of the swear words, and obviously we had input from education experts and sex ed experts to make sure that it was all pitched right um, but interestingly, from the medical experts there was there was one fact in there that uh, Every doctor who read it said, I didn't know that, um, which is there's a name for, you know, when you wake up and you've got a gunk in the corner of your eye made up of, you know, oh yeah, mucus and sort of dried skin and everything. That's got a name, which is Gound, G-O-U-N-D. And uh, every single doctor who read the book said, I did not know that.
0: Well, it is. It, it, I mean, it should. Have, it should have a name because we all have Good. it.
4: Yeah. Really?
0: Gound. <laughs> Not good to know. We educate, we entertain. <laughs> Adam Kay, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Kay's, Anatomy. Kay's Anatomy, uh, a complete, a completely disgusting guide to the human body, is out in paperback now, and we look forward to uh, Kay's uh, medicine as well. So thank you very much for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. He's here, ladies and gentlemen. He's in the studio. Top chef, Tom Carriage joins us. Uh, how timely is this? Outdoor cooking. It's as if you knew summer was on the way.
6: I know. We, we, I, I think we decided on, fri- on Friday night, we thought, right, quick, let's get a book out and see if we can get it done and get into Graham by Sunday morning. Get it in the shot. And look, the sun's out. No, it's amazing. Also, because if
0: you'd been here at 11, we'd have been like, oh, stupid book. We don't yeah. want to do this. We don't. Yeah. But now, look, now we're thinking, yes. Yeah, the sun is out. Yeah. It's,
6: it's the perfect, but perfect timing.
0: <laughs> okay, before we get to the recipes, Tom, Talk to me about barbecues. Yeah. So, what what what's your top? Do you recommend a barbecue? Does it matter whether I'm using charcoal? Does it matter whether I'm using gas? All that, all that,
6: all those gubbins. Like, in all honesty, not re not really for for a bigger picture. Yes, if you want flavor. Yes, if you want the smoke and the, and the, those kind of full barbecue things that go on with where you try to do that kind of full on cooking. Yes, coal and wood is much better. Using one of those kind of big green egg style barbecues that you put. Oh, yeah. so you can create and you cook for longer and it works like an oven those things absolutely yeah but there's a bigger picture to barbecuing and it is much more about the social scene, being outside with everybody. So if you've just got a gas barbecue and you turn it on and you're cooking a few bits and bobs on it, you don't get quite get the same barbecuing flavour, but the, you've still got the energy, you've still got the kids on the trampoline, you still got your mates hanging around having a beer and a couple of soft drinks. There's still the energy, which is, which is what makes barbecuing so special. Yeah, and tell me this, if I'm using uh,
0: like a charcoal one, when is Optimum? When, like so, there, there should, Am I
6: right? There shouldn't be any flame. Yeah, not when it's on fire. What you need okay. is you need the fire to start with. Can I just say, cover with. a book. Big yeah, fire. There is fire.
0: <laughs> big fire. Well,
6: fires <laughs> happen. So what happens is, so you get it, so it gets to be in the coals, get nice and hot, and they they, they go on fire. And then as they cool, kind of, the fire dies down, then the coals get very, very hot, and they go that kind of white, glowy yeah. kind of hot. That's where the heat is. That's where it's optimum. And you can move them about, and it's, it's a bit like, the lovely thing about cooking on coals like that is it's not the same as your oven at home where you just put it on 200 degrees, put it in, set a timer, and that's when you know it's ready. This is all about... It's a bit more sensual touch and feel. But, yeah, occasionally you'll get fire when little bits of fat drop onto the coals and then flames lick up. But really, it's when coals are white and glowing and hot. And how long do they last? Like, how long... If you need
0: to cook something for a long time, how how long...
6: Well, this is it. This is where it gets a little bit more kind of complicated or a little bit more where you get in touch with it and you enjoy it. So the better the charcoal you buy, the bigger the lumps of it, the longer they'll hold the heat oh, okay. and the fl- and, and, and that way it will go on for longer. Also, if you're just doing it straight on a grill and there's no lid on it, they'll cool down quicker. So that's when you're going to cook steaks and burgers and that sort of stuff and chicken skewers. But if you've got one that where the lid closes, an egg style one, you can shut valves down. And what it does is it holds its temperature and you can cook for, Twelve hours on it, eighteen hours of that kind of like gentle, warm temperature. Wow, slow cooking briskets of beef and that sort of stuff. Uh, tell me about this bit at the back. What's the difference between now? Uh, what is it called?
0: It's got a name. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's the it's the open fire. What's the
6: difference between open fire and barbecue? So an open fire is a bit more like uh, where you've thrown wood on it. It's kind of like if you're at a campsite. So you've got you're throwing bits of uh, bits of wood on it, and and you then put pots and pans on it. You can kind of cook. Directly on it, you can cook. So it's a little yeah. bit more like if you're out and about in the countryside. I mean that maple glazed, butterflied leg of lamb. Oh,
0: I mean, look, yeah. you look like some sort of medieval knight I know. Uh, cooking that thing. It's <laughs> well, incredible. It,
6: it is. So, but that, but that's where barbecues are amazing because it does look as if it's incredibly complicated and super dramatic, but it is a leg of lamb that you put two great big skewers in, and you just kind of like move it around over the flames gently, and you still cook it nice and medium rare or nice and pink. Or you can do it well done. It doesn't really matter. But you are just kind of like getting those flavours from the colds and the heat and it's lovely. It just, you can cook great big joints of meat as if you would be doing a Sunday lunch. Yeah. But it's just outdoors.
0: Okay. In terms of not killing your guests, yeah. um, uh, <laughs> chicken, because, you know, because meat, red meat, uh, and fish cook so quick, so you're grand. Yeah. Red meat, it can be rare, it doesn't matter. But like chicken, you might kill someone. So, <laughs> and there's no blood, you know, because normally you could do and the, the what, the, what, but with chicken, yeah. blood doesn't come out. So, no. uh, how do you know when a, a lump of chicken is done?
6: So, one of the best bits of kit that you could probably buy is a temperature probe. They're about 10, 15 quid, and you just stick them into the. If you're doing a whole chicken, like a beer can chicken, you know how oh, you yes, a beer can chicken. Yeah. So, you stick a beer can kind of in the back part of a chicken, gotcha. turn it upside gotcha. down, and yeah. bake it in the, in the outdoor barbecue. <laughs> but if you get one of those temperature probes, you stick it in, and if it's got to 70 degrees, you're absolutely fine. It's no problem at all. That works really, really well. Or, like, if you're doing it as skewers, I mean, we actually listen, we're very good as human beings of knowing when something is or isn't cooked. You know, if you're a little but bit... we're this, so polite. We're so polite. Yeah. If we're at yeah. yeah.
0: someone else's house, we're yeah. going,
6: oh, this may kill me, yeah. but I'm going to eat it because <laughs> I'm in their house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah th- just just uh, swerve. Just uh, push it to the side <laughs> of the plate. Don't worry about it. But actually, as the chef, as the cook, you kind of know instinctively when something's cooked.
0: And, and what's clever about this is, because you imagine, oh, this Will just be a big meat feast, but you've got lots of veggie
6: stuff, there's vegan stuff in here. Yeah, the, well, I mean, that, that food scene has massively changed. And also, I kind of wanted to change that slight perception. Barbecuing is quite often seen as like some sort of like caveman like bloke's realm of like yeah. meat and fire and beer, and that's the only time that certain blokes do any cooking. But actually, there's much more to it, so try to make it much more family friendly. And also, the dishes, that like you say, there was fish in there, but a lot of charred and roasted vegetables that work so well on a barbecue. Yeah, and even. Oh, Even the the barbecued fruit. There's a lovely thing.
0: Nectarines look charred on it. They look gorgeous.
2: Yeah,
6: Yeah. fruit like that, stone fruit like nectarines, peaches. uh, They're absolutely stunning. And where they caramelize, they've got loads of natural sugars, and they caramelize beautifully and go well with like cheese. Go well with ham or. As dessert, serve with some like some soaked brioche that's been cooked on it, and a little bit of honey. Works amazing. There's a terrace here. Let's head let's head to the terrace now. Uh, while we play a record,
0: am <laughs> they- sure they I'm sure they have a barbecue down there. Oh, that's what I was going to say to you because I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> And I'm thinking these look delicious, but I cannot be bothered lighting a barbecue, and doing all of that. What's the best way to fake it indoors? Should I put the, should I do things on one of those griddle pans? Do I put them under the grill? What do 100%, I do?
6: Hundred percent, yeah. So most of these recipes can definitely be done indoors. Some of the things that are slow cooked you can put through the oven, but yeah, if you've got a griddle pan with those kind of like bar marking yeah. things, it's just the tell same as, tell people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the same as doing the kind of gas barbecue. Those are the, that's where you get that flavor. That's definitely a way to do it. Yeah. For For people who haven't got gardens, this also works well. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, lovely
0: that people are at home cooking, but you also require them to go to restaurants. You want them to not cook
6: and and have you cook for them. So are
0: all your restaurants open now?
6: All all of our restaurants are open. Pubs and restaurants are open. There's some that have still got some space restrictions in. Like a lot of the rest of hospitality up and down the country. I mean, it's been such an exciting kind of week and a bit for everybody in the industry because we've been able to get back open and staff have been so looking forward to getting there and, and guests coming through the door. There's been this... Magical energy, but yeah, we need it to keep rolling and keep supporting. And you know, yeah. go to theaters, go to bars, go to coffee shops, go everywhere. Get out and about, people, if you feel safe.
0: And has it been hard getting uh, waiters and and servers and things?
6: Yeah, there's a massive staff shortage, which is which is pretty nerve wracking uh, moving forward because there's around about three hundred and fifty thousand people that within the industry that have left in the last year, and lots of them have gone back home. Most of the, a lot of people are, are, are European workers. Yeah. A lot of staff have actually gone actually during lockdown they've b- b- found other jobs and done other things and an, are, haven't come back to the industry as yet so so yeah there's a there's a big staff shortage out there at the minute but yeah. there's lots of lots of key skill people that are working very hard to make it work but yeah we I think everybody in the industry is looking for people and
0: also I was saying on the radio the other day like be patient because because restaurants have been shut you can't train people up no. you know you can't even do a soft opening you can't do anything no. so they're going from I have never worked. I've never done this before. To oh now look I've got a section yeah. so it may not be as smooth
6: <laughs> or as slick as you would normally like. No, exactly. We we have been out of practice. Funny enough, we are, the first week of opening, you know, even in the two Michelin star hand of flowers, we've had you know chefs bumping into each other and people like dropping things, and it's all been a bit rusty. We're not quite match fit yeah. yet. So I think there's a lot of that. Everyone just getting back into that that muscle memory of yeah. where they were. Yeah. And for
0: you, I mean, because it's the most intense job. It's like I can't think of another job I mean unless it's like brain surgery or landing a plane or something but it's so it's crazy because it's just somebody's dinner you know it, it burnt hey ho but yeah. it's not it's yeah. life and death Well, it is, getting those things right
6: it, it is because it, it, we want the guests to have an amazing time so when people come through the door we, we always want everybody it doesn't matter whether you know what restaurant you work in or, or space that you're at you always want the people to go away having had a lovely time so when things are going wrong it does feel that that pressure and that horrible but like you said. It is at the end of the day only food, but we just want people to be happy. Yeah, yeah we're not performing brain surgery here, yeah. we're, we're cooking a steak. So, have you, did you, was it a shock to your
0: system to get back in there and, and have all that pressure just bang on you in one fell swoop?
6: I, yeah, I, I gotta be honest. Actually, for me personally, it was a huge amount of relief. So the last year, I've been ever so busy. We, we've been doing so much. Into we set up a charity um, where, where we fed over a hundred thousand meals um, to vulnerable and needy and frontline NHS staff. And then I did a big thing, the full time campaign with Marcus Rashford that we've been working on for the last five or six months. So working, I've been keeping myself very, very busy. Yeah. So actually getting the restaurants open, it's been nice to kind of like hand over the stress to the to all the staff, the management, and go, right, let's, let's just get this going. So I actually, there's a sense of relief of being open.
0: Yeah, I mean it is, uh, we were just saying during the record, we are talking about, you know, being out last night in town and it, it does feel like it's we're getting there, so hopefully it, it stays like that.
6: Yeah, and th- I think the weather makes a big difference and it, it puts smiles on people's faces, people can get outside and enjoy themselves and go from pub to pub and bar to bar and restaurant to restaurant and fingers crossed that, you know, this will be a great summer of energy of, of food and, and live gigs and, you know, food food festivals and all sorts of things that are going on it'd be amazing and if everything goes to plan like June 21st is that kind of
0: weddings because that Big catering things, or
6: is yeah, there... I, th- I think I uh, think the moment June the twenty first is pretty much in the clear that that, that most people, I think, that looks like the plan that most things can go ahead. You know, I've I've got a wedding to go to tomorrow, which is sadly only thirty people to go there. Although for some people, it's just a really excuse to not invite all the other people that you know, don't want there. Say, there's mean... always a silver lining, <laughs> yeah, and an excuse not to go, yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah.
6: But yeah, I mean, I'm at a wedding tomorrow, which would be amazing and really really good fun. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, you know, come. June the 21st from a, from an operational point of view it would be great to be doing weddings for loads of people wouldn't it yeah, yeah so no, absolutely it, uh, and in the meantime get out
0: there and cook outdoor cooking the ultimate modern barbecue bible by Tom carriage is out now Tom thank you so much for coming to see us a real pleasure thank you so much for joining me for the Graham Norton radio show podcast with Waitrose I'm back on Virgin Radio from 9.30 on Saturday morning and don't forget the next episode of the podcast will be out first thing the following
2: Monday the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can
1: taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio.